2: Welcome to the Poisoner's Cabinet. I'm Sinead. And I'm Nick. And this is your weekly podcast exploring the lives of the great poisoners and macabre murders from across the centuries and creating curious cocktails inspired by the desert we tell. And it's episode 76. Boo! 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 I hope it's 76. I could be. That's just what I've said Let's it is.
1: Let's go with that. Let's make it that.
2: How are you, Nick?
1: I'm alright. <laughs> you a little tired? A little tired. A little tired? A little tired. It's all good fun. Oh, busy weekend. Busy week. Lots of children. They are lovely, but my god they run around. <laughs> <a lot. laughs>
2: they demand a lot of attention.
1: I love them dearly, but stop running around. I've also I'm heard- not built for running and playing football. <laughs>
2: yes you are. You just choose not to. <laughs> You're more likely you need to bring a wing back chair into yeah. the onto the yeah. I'll tell page. I'll
1: tell bedtime stories. I'm g i am I can do that.
2: With terrifying bedtime stories. <laughs> well, it was my birthday yesterday. Uh... Was it? Oh crap! Yes, you were there, and yes, I got extra cocktails when I didn't need extra cocktails, but they were good cocktails. But... Everyone
1: always needs extra cocktails.
2: the The joy of um the joy of my birthday, not only just the joy of my birth but <laughs> was that Emma from Real Life Ghost Stories finally got to try a cocktail with Chartreuse in it and understood how <laughs> bad it is only because she was very very wrong and another friend tried it and went oh oh they both had the same reaction of what is this what is this monstrosity that's because they're
1: both heathens <laughs> I say
2: I think your palate gets used to it because the one that was made special for me I was like actually you know what it's not bad because it's, it's a kind of good thing Nick is just tired and also disturbed the fact that I'm just sitting here wearing a t-shirt because I got a tan done and he knows he can come around and go, Oh I'm just wearing a big t shirt, it's fine. I've I'm seen you a in a t shirt th- before. <laughs> yes, but nothing else. Not even wearing underwear now. My God Thank God there's a table in the way. Any poisonings this week?
1: Uh, my eyes apparently
2: <laughs> That's for later. If the story starts to dip, I'll just lift the T shirt up.
1: And then it'll be three hours of screaming.
2: <laughs> That's it's fun all for, for you everyone. to edit. <laughs> Yay. Well, speaking of poisoning your eyes and taking your top off in front of friends to upset them, I think it's time for us to thank our lovely Patreon subscribers. We
1: should indeed. They are marvellous.
2: They're very, very sexy.
1: Thank you so much to Barbara A. Modesty.
2: Thank you, Summer.
1: Thank you to Emily Rigby.
2: Thank you, Molly Van Overhill.
1: To Dana Schuler Drummond. Ooh,
2: excellent, excellent mm. Patreon names this week. Love you guys. You're all very, very sexy and we love yes, you very much. thank you. It's And this week's Patreon, ooh, oh, you've got not one not two but three stories very dramatic this week our first little compendium and my god it worked I like
1: that I'm going to do that again yes probably quite a lot
2: (laughs) (laughs) I was editing it and just going this is brilliant why have we never thought of doing this before three great stories for the price of one and all the banter with it the excitement level just stayed high all the way through it was
1: good yeah it it didn't dip it was just like
2: oh what's coming next we didn't even need Negronis (laughs) if you want to know what the hell we're talking about you know you need to get on to Patreon for but five dollars a month you can do an annual subscription and you can bow out anytime you need to but you get all of the back catalog of Patreon goodness and lots of new episodes in the future so we have a little shout out this week uh, from Claire Hossack one of our lovely delicious Patreon subscribers Uh, Claire and her partner Andy are getting married on Saturday the 21st of August they have had to postpone their wedding from August last year they've both been working for the NHS on the front line through the pandemic they completely deserve a shout out have the best day in the world absolutely drink all the cocktails for you they're going to become Mr and Mrs Senior I don't know if that's their surname, or they've just made up a new surname. (laughs) I
1: I want something different. Or
2: they smashed the two names together and it ended up as senior. That's great!
1: So it was Mr. Sen and Mrs. Yu.
2: Congratulations, guys. Have an amazing day. We hope you, as obviously is tradition, with all wedding shout-outs, we hope you are listening to The Poison's Cabinet down the aisle.
1: Absolutely. It's the only way. Have
2: a great day, guys. Well, Nick, are you ready? Uh, no. No? No, I'm not. No? I'm not ready. To drink cocktails and talk about poison? Uh... Or... Oh... We could drink poison and talk about cocktails.
1: No, I think we should probably have a cocktail. Give you the people what they want.
2: Give them what they want. It's my story this week, Nick. So, so hooray, hooray, hooray. Hurrah
1: for that indeed. And
2: as you know, we can't possibly have a story without a cocktail in hand. No such thing will be possible. You can just sit and drink and <laughs> I will tell the lovely people a story. <laughs> He's so tired. Oh God, so tired. <laughs> it's like watching a five year old about on the verge of a tantrum. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it so is. <laughs> I don't know how this episode is oh, going to go. Nick know, might I just go, know. shut up, halfway through this. <laughs> I'm done with life. <laughs> it's going to be fine, Nick. It we'll will. Hear.
1: It'll be good and exciting and lovely and marvellous.
2: Well, it's my story this week, which means I got to choose a secret ingredient. As yeah. you know, dear listeners, every week we choose a secret ingredient that is inspired by the tale that we tell, that will flavour our cocktail of the week. So, my story, my pick, mm. and I went for a biggie
1: you did indeed we
2: haven't had it before no London Dry Gin
1: yeah I mean it's a it's a classic I'm surprised we haven't done it until now
2: well, we have done bathtub gin. We have, so, that is so true. gin has appeared.
1: Has appeared. It has appeared many times.
2: <laughs> gin has appeared in all of the cocktails. But finally, this is the ingredient. And it's very fitting for this story. I should hope so. Yes, yes. Nick still doesn't know what it is. No. It's always a very meta moment, actually, when recording this. Because everyone has seen the title of this story. This episode. is true. Actually,
1: everyone knows before I do.
2: But it's a good ingredient well, for that this it story. Is. It that couldn't it be anything other than London Dry Gin this week. Nick, London Dry Gin. The greatest gin of them all.
1: What have you come up with? Oh, I mean, so many options. What, what couldn't I not have done? I what? Be, I don't know. That made, that made no sense anymore. What couldn't I not have done? What yes. couldn't I don't have not have done? Yes, maybe. Do
2: you not like me? Maybe. Yes, no.
1: Pretty much. Yep. The Negroni is working. Yeah. Shutting down various parts of my brain. That's <laughs> I'm like- just clogged with Campari. <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, so many, 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 many options with, with London Dry. Um, me and the Negroni, we know I have a Negroni, and that has gin in it. Could make a gin and tonic. They're quite nice. Oh, they're tasty. Yeah, they're Yeah, good. I like those, like those. But we've had them before. Mm-hmm. So I thought we, we probably should do something that we haven't had before. I and mean, there's a number of gin-based cocktails that I love, and I make a lot at home, hmm. that we haven't done yet mm-hmm. um, on the episode. But I thought, no, we're going to do something new. Could be dreadful. Who knows? Okay. Well, well I'm glad that out. you've
2: I'm glad that you've gone with something new. Yeah. Because absolutely. that's exciting. People yeah. want to hear something new, a different kind of cocktail. But guys, you always have the Negroni well, back up.
1: Well the Negroni Backup, you have a casino number one, the classic loveliness. Ooh. Last word, well again Ooh. one of the best cocktails in the world.
2: Okay, so with <laughs> London Dry Gin, what have you come this up week,
1: with? This week we are having an old friend.
2: Oh, Having an old friend. Having an old for dinner. friend. For Having dinner. an old friend for dinner. Oh, an old friend. We're Never old heard of. Friend?
1: No, indeed. Neither Interesting.
2: I. It's gin, so it's, it's in everything. Yeah,
1: pretty much. But, but this, this is on say my Bible of different is one of their top twenty gin cocktails in really? the history of the world ever.
2: Well, this is exciting. I think it's time for us, without further ado, to go into the poisoners' cabinet kitchen and shake up Storm. So we'll see you in a minute. We'll see you in a bit. And we're back. Hello. Nick, an old friend has come to visit.
1: An old friend has come to visit. I'm here for it. Wow, we'll see if they're welcome to stay. (laughs) Or if they get thrown out the window.
2: Indeed. Well, it's a very beautiful colour.
1: It's a lovely color of an old friend.
2: Now, what colour would we call this?
1: I would call it peachy, pinky sort of colour.
2: Yeah, it's very... It's not quite neon pink, but it, no, it's very pink. It's has very pink. Because of a pinky, pinky, orangey, peachy hue. What? A pinky, a pinky, orangey, or, a pinky, peachy, orangey, hue. pinky, orangey, peachy, hue. It's, it's really lovely. Now, if differed say, this is in the top 20.
1: This is in the top 20 gin-based cocktails. And
2: we could mention 20 gin-based cocktails easily. So I think there's nothing left for us to do but dive in. Indeed, let's give dive it a go. Dive in, let's go. Merry Christmas. Merry okay. Christmas. Ooh, okay. Okay.
1: Interesting. I have to say, not overly lovely.
2: I don't know. There's a lot going on. There's some complex flavours going on there. It's very sour. It's very bitter on the first taste, but interesting. Not off-puttingly. Ooh. well. Oh, is it a second sipper? Is it a third sipper? Is it a Negroni, yeah. basically? Hang on.
1: Oh. once you get that over and that initial shock, of it's actually quite. Oh bitter. my god, yes! It's actually th- quite delightful. <laughs> it's the same principle as a Negroni.
2: okay? Oh, oh no, actually, yeah. yeah. that. The levers are coming through. Absolutely, that's, yeah. that's
1: growing on me a lot.
2: That's that, that's uh, getting down That's getting sexy. That's yeah, getting sexy. Getting
1: good. All right, you need to talk us through it, Nick. Okay, well, well give me give me a guess. Apart from- Gin, yeah. So you know that one.
2: Okay, I'm going to guess grapefruit. You are absolutely correct. I venture there's something else in there too.
1: There are two of something else's. We have a base of gin. Then yeah, we have some grapefruit juice. Mm -hmm. We have some Campari. Oh, okay. Which is again, adding to the bitternessnessness.
2: Yes, but what
1: uh, what has changed? Elderflower. No! And I know you're not a fan of that either, but a bit of elderflower, the Saint Germain.
2: As I said, perfume, there's something floral there without it being overpoweringly elderflower based.
1: No, once you get over that initial hit of... Bitter. Any that's campari drink sort of has that. Oh, that's really tasty. Really lovely. Definitely. That is a yes. <laughs> Give it a go.
2: You see, you ventured out, did something new. That's a good summer drink as well. Yeah, absolutely. We are allegedly coming towards a heatwave. <laughs> every time it's summer. <laughs> Trust us, it's a heatwave. Spend your money on tourism in the UK. <laughs> it's a good garden drink. Surround yourself with elderflower. That's a great drink. Yeah, well no, I'm done, Nick. Hurrah for me. So what makes London Dry gin different from regular gin?
1: So London Dry is created, I believe, in London. But it is a particular style and set of botanicals that go into making London Dry. So it doesn't have to be made in London. Unlike many things like champagne and stuff, that has Mm. to be made in champagne to be called champagne. London Dry, you can make it anywhere in the world. But as long as you stick to this sort of specific set of herbs and spices and things to flavour it, you can make a London Dry.
2: Mm. So there you go, that's London oh, drawing no gin for you. Well, with our old friends in hand, we're holding hands with them. Oh. Are you ready for a story? Yeah. Ah, well, Nick, Nick, mm. Nick, today we have a grim tale of murder most foul.
1: They usually are.
2: Mm. Grim Dickensian slums and more gin than is probably wise. We'll see. <laughs> this is a tale that is a little bit of a continuation of a story Ooh. that we did a few weeks ago. A very famous story, the tale of Burke and Hare. Because who doesn't know about them? They're fabulous. And if you don't know about them, go back and listen to the episode, and then you will know about them. This week, we are going to tell the tale of an entirely new band of body snatchers and grave robbers, the London Burkers. So two things that... I will say to caveat this episode Do listen to the end Because we've got something A little bit extra for you In this episode The resources on this case Are surprisingly light In comparison to Burke and Hare But there was an excellent book That I really recommend Called The Italian Boy By Sarah Wise She has done a huge amount of research And it's a really enjoyable book to read So I'd say definitely read that If you want to know more about this story All credit to her So do check out her book If you want to know more about this case So for context people A few weeks ago We did tell The tale of the notorious Burke and Hare, a pair of 'er ne'er-do-wells who turned to murder in order to cash in on the increasing demand for dead bodies for anatomy students and teachers during the 1800s. Now, they operated in Edinburgh, and this was a time of huge interest in anatomy. Basically.
1: Yes. Huge interest.
2: Huge interest. Now, as we've covered in previous episodes, the 19th century was a prime time for anyone who was in the body snatching and grave robbing game. The, the, the
1: g- demand has tailed off slightly. It I feel. has.
2: And it's a little sad. Is, a little yeah, sad absolutely. Like, yeah, yeah. But yes, if you're into the killy killy silly body dealing ways, <laughs> then this was the time for you. <laughs> But with the advent and advancement of pathology and the teaching of anatomy in medical students, suffice it to say that the demand for fresh corpses with universities and medical Mm. schools was reaching a peak, (laughs) shall we say, in the 1800s, particularly the 1810s, 20s and 30s. They knew
1: how to have a good time.
2: They did, they did. That is that is a good day. Absolutely. That is a good not, day. And
1: not just anatomy students, like dancing teachers, they needed them, <laughs> like Amdramatics, a lot of dead bodies in Amdram.
2: The best universities and private anatomists were only too happy to pay good money for a good dead body. And they wouldn't ask <laughs> What's questions. What's a bad dead body? Well, they did judge the dead bodies. You would have, and you will, you will hear in this okay. story that the anatomists and the schools wanted particular kinds of bodies because if you're getting let's just say that you're getting 80 year old man through time and time and again i mean it it sounds grim but you're going to need some women you're going to need some children this is true you're going to need more samples to go through and so they would come and they would judge the bodies and say this this i need they
1: need for their particular studies that week
2: It goes without saying that murder is still very much illegal at the time. (laughs) But as we know, grave robbing and body snatching was not illegal at all. Because taking the dead wasn't illegal because technically they belonged to no one. So yes, you could steal a body. The law decreed that the only bodies that could be submitted to medical studies or to science had to be the bodies of murderers. Yep. Murderers Permaners. who were hanged. Those were the only ones. Mm. Uh, later on, vaguely suicide, but anyone who died of natural causes, absolutely not. They were not allowed to be dissected, so that's why you have this massive undercurrent and underworld operation. The story of Burke and Hare who murdered drunken down and outs in Edinburgh and sold them on to Dr Knox, had sent shockwaves throughout the UK and beyond. Everyone was horrified that people could stoop so low for a handful of coins. But did the case of Burke and Hare change the law?
1: No. No. <laughs> no. I'm sure it gave a lot of people ideas as well.
2: Well, it gave <laughs> it didn't do anything. Attempts have been made for many years to put into some sort of reform to prevent grave robbing by allowing more than just the bodies of condemned prisoners and, and the murderers to be used on the slab. But legislation continually stalled. So there's no legislation against grave robbing. Who cares if two stupid men in Scotland had been caught red-handed? This is a booming business. And if anything, Burke and Hare's actions positively inspired mm. others to try their hand at death dealing. This is reported across newspapers, across the country. So yes, you are going to pick up tips and they are not the only people selling dead bodies no, they're going to learn from their mistakes and they're going to try and pick up tips of what you should be doing
1: especially as the papers are reporting every incident and going oh they got caught because of this reason and the next person goes well i won't do that then
2: <laughs> so come with me now nick come with me now to the to london town to <laughs> london we have moved on from edinburgh and the ways of birkenhead this is three years later. And we are in the grim, godless wasteland that is Bethnal
1: Green. Oh, godless indeed!
2: Oh, oh, god, disgusting place. <laughs> Very trendy now. Yeah crucial thing to remember about Burke and Hare is that they were not resurrection men yeah. they murdered people to sell on but they were not grave robbers they were not handling dead bodies beyond when they decided to start killing people or just someone had died in the lodging house they didn't dig up people they didn't do anything like that so they're often called grave robbers and it's wrong but in London in 1831 grave robbing is all the rage I tell you
1: <laughs> a lot of dead people
2: Indeed, lots of dead people means you need lots of pairs of hands, so Mm -hmm. you've got gangs. You have got gangs operating in London. People who had different contacts. You need people to transport the dead bodies. You need people to talk to the universities. You need people who are willing to go and do nefarious deeds to get the dead bodies. (laughs) It's a system. And so all these gangs are operating across the city, supplying fresh corpses to the hospitals and the schools for as much money as they could get. So we covered some of the tricks about grave robbing in the last episode. A couple of new tricks the snatchers used back in the day. We know that gangs would linger outside workhouses and slums if they heard tale of anyone who was dying. They would also get women to pose as grieving widows to go in there and just go, Irving, Irving, oh no, my poor Irving. I know I haven't turned up at all beforehand, but he was my favorite brother, father, son. I shall take him home. So, yeah, people, the men would turn up pretending to be relatives. They would send women in because they got more mm. sympathy. Honestly, the workhouses didn't give a shit. They
1: don't get It's one less problem for them to deal with. So.
2: Exactly. They don't want to pay for a funeral because yeah. if they have the body, they have to pay for a funeral. As, a pauper's grave as it is, it still costs you money. And they're like, oh, help yourself. Yeah, There's go for it. I got loaded on them. The gangs have regular suppliers and they have nice tidy arrangements to ensure that no one's going to tell the authorities about what's happening. You know what, you supply me the bodies, coins will change hands. It's going to be fine, it's going to be fine. fine. It's just no one needs to know about how they were obtained. I'm not sure... And I kind of hope they did, that Body Snatchers had some sort of rudimentary catalogue. Go around and say, hello, yes, because they had suppliers, because medical schools had regular suppliers they worked with. And so whether they were catalogues or sample bags uh, <laughs> that they were showing. Now, you could go for the deluxe model. This is wrapped in cling film for guaranteed freshness.
1: <laughs> well, they so would we'll say, like, oh, I need a man in their 40s. Mm. And they will go, okay, or I'm... and that will cost you this much money. Yeah, but a man in your eighties, is loads to them. That's the cost you a bit, a little bit less. <laughs> it
2: would be good if they could have done that. Yeah, if they could guarantee right. the supply. Honestly, these body snatchers rocking up with any fucking thing <laughs> that they could, and they would go from school to school, from university, from new university to private <sighs> teachers, saying, "Do you need this body?" And they they could legitimately turn them away and say, "Actually, sorry, we've got enough. We've got, we've enough. got enough enough <laughs> male- white males." And I've taken enough from you and they would do a certain rate and there was a kind of an understanding of what the rate of a body was. But, you know, we're in gang territory, aren't we? Mm. So that sort of leads to mob rule in a way. (laughs) The competition for corpses is very, very strong. There was a report in the Times in 1831. A gang of 'er ne'er-do-wells broke into a private home where a grieving family were holding a wake for an elderly relative Mm. and they stole the body from the house and dragged it through the streets.
1: Nice. Yeah. Subtle.
2: Subtle, just uh. broken, that's ours now. Off they went <laughs> down the road. Okay. Gangs who had arrangements with schools to supply corpses could get very angry if you tried to switch suppliers, or they could say, You know what, I need an extra guinea. Guinea a body, you know, up the prices. You know, the schools were seemingly decent people going, no, this is this is extortion, this is awful. There was another gang called the London Borough Gang who demanded a pay increase from St Thomas's Hospital. And when they were refused, the gang broke into the anatomy theatre while a lecture <laughs> was taking place and hacked up the corpses with knives and threatened the students.
1: Nice, subtle. Just
2: slicing them to pieces so they couldn't be used. Another incident, another surgeon who refused to give his supplies a wage increase that they demanded. <laughs> the gang placed carved up bodies on the street around his house.
1: Yeah, that's very... Cool.
2: In the dark. (laughs) And people are tripping over the bodies.
1: Nice. And
2: crying and screaming. And the surgeon was targeted. He was... People threw stones through his window. Don't get on the the wrong side of them. Well, you're the kind of person who's going to dig up corpses for a living Mm. or just steal them from their loved one's hands. So once again, we have to reconcile ourselves with the fact that grave robbing just happened. It just (laughs) happened a lot. More than you would possibly imagine all the time everywhere. But of the grave robbing gangs that operated across the capital, the so-called London Burkers also known as the Bethnal Green Gang, mm. were amongst the best. The head honchos of this band were John Bishop and Thomas Williams. They worked with various associates, including James May and Michael Shields. They had various people who would help them out. John Bishop and Thomas Williams would later be known as the main head operators. Dudes. Mm-hmm. The, head, the head dudes as head well. Dudes, yes. yeah. Now, unsurprisingly, not much is known about their childhood. <laughs> we do know that John Bishop had, had quite one. a... He had a childhood. He had a childhood. It was quite a grim start to life. His mother died when he was quite young. His father had a successful carting business. Very good, very good. After his first wife's death, he remarried twice more. You know, was successful-ish businessman. You know, certainly not middle class or upper Mm. class at that time. But he was hit by a carriage on the road and he had to have both legs amputated. Ooh,
1: that's going to be difficult, carting with no yeah, legs. Yeah,
2: and then he died two weeks later. Yeah, yeah, that's crap on business. So not so great. Business. John inherited the carting business. He was not great at business. But he, had now,
1: he now had carts. so... Well, handy. he just
2: wasn't good at operating many carts <laughs> or keeping the books for it. He was much more interested in drinking, in just taking whatever profits came in, getting drunk and having a lot of fun with his stepmother, Sarah. Yeah, third stepmother. He and her not only hooked up, but would marry later on. Didn't go down well.
1: No, I can imagine not. So that's, no. a, that's a complicated relationship.
2: Yes, the locals in this very slummy part of London. Going, even we draw. Yeah, the they're, they're there are limits.
1: There really are. Come on.
2: As the money from the car team business dwindled, then he drank his way through it. John was also happy earning a living in a variety of other very respectable jobs. Mm. Uh, an informant for the police.
1: Respectable. Yeah.
2: Very good. Uh, giving false evidence in court for people who need an alibi.
1: Excellent. Yeah. A
2: few coins. I will totally say. Oh, yeah, you I were was there. there we we were in that. bed.
1: Well, absolutely. D- yep. We, we were in
2: bed all day. I saw you on the bridge, not stabbing <laughs> anyone. Uh, I think he was actually done for perjury at one point. Nope. No. <laughs> a, a tiny, tiny amount of jail time, but he was—he was absolutely fine with this. And of course, his other profession was grave robbing, mm-hmm. selling corpses for profit. Absolutely fine. There's lots of corpses out there does some of that now john's neighbor in this area which i'll come back to was thomas williams Now he had come from a poor background so his past is, is a little less known because mm-hmm. again there was no family business there that we could trace back but he tried his hand at many menial jobs before resorting to crime he tried to be a laborer painter he tried to do all these sorts of things but he just went oh my god too difficult crime <laughs> is the way to go. He had a variety of pseudonyms and they were just weird variants on his name. He just okay. went, oh, that, he had about four different ones in operations that came out in the trial. He, as many, body and many body snatchers at the time did, they never gave, they would never give their name no, while the dropping off a body. Business
1: cards printed up, so. Hello, body snatcher, hey. a <laughs> body snatcher here.
2: Oh, the body snatcher needs. He, uh, interestingly enough, he served jail time for the theft of a copper bathtub. Oh! <gasps> And those are quite good. Well, they look very nice. Oh, uh, they, they look very smart. Yes, yes. He stole one of those. He was going to be a glass blower. When he was in jail, apparently he learnt the trade, and he, he was all set on being a glass blower.
1: Skilled job.
2: Skilled job. But that ah, was not to be, because of course he fell back into his life of crime, and he moved next door to John Bishop. He joined John in flogging dead bodies for cash, mm-hmm. and the London Burkers were born. And they were born in Nova Scotia garden.
1: Well I thought you'd say in Nova Scotia I thought that's a long way to go. Uh, well,
2: you, would think, you would think and that sounds like a lovely place to live doesn't it? Doesn't it Nick? Does it? No you would be wrong. Oh uh,
1: yeah I thought. Oh god
2: no. God no. So this is an area in East London which is previously harvested I don't know the word for, for brick clay. So, obviously, they're digging through the soil. Yes, yes, yes. Let's get all the clay. Okay, we've gouged out the earth. We need to fill it in with stuff. Let's just fill it with just crap.
1: Just rubbish. And I'm
2: not even kidding. Literal crap. Yep, just excrement and human waste and whatever else we've just got from the sewage pipes. Just Just put this into the ground. Fill it
1: in there.
2: We'll build some houses nice we'll build some cottages cottages which may have been shacks that they expanded on and that was nova scotia Oh, it sounds
1: delightful
2: (laughs) so beautiful so beautiful the ground is boggy and stinking the cottages and rickety buildings are the most undesirable and desperate people in the area will live and it is rife with disease and crime in this area is where dickens based fagin's den from Oliver Twist. Nice. This is prime Dickens territory. And it's not just kind of, oh, it sounds a bit like Dickens. Dickens actually based all the it stuff around it. It's just horrible. <laughs> the good thing about it, not short of pubs.
1: Oh, well, man, that's always a good thing, really. Which you always want. Yep, absolutely. Because yes, Cause what you need.
2: Mm. For if Nova Scotia was the Berkha's home, perhaps the gang's headquarters was... The Fortune of War. It's <laughs> a good name. In Smithfield, <laughs> a pub that existed until I think it was about 1910. Sadly it's not there anymore. The building and the area uh, where it was sited is is now I think it's a corporate building. It might be a bank actually and I'll try and share some pictures later on. But it had st- it was originally called the Naked Boy. Okay. Which is a weird name for a pub. It is
1: a curious name for a pub. You're
2: really setting your stall there, aren't you? Yes. (laughs) But the Fortune of War, which is a great name. It's a great name for a pub. Great name. This was the meeting place for Body Snatchers. Nice. In the body-snatching age. Let's call it that. <laughs>
1: the body-snatching. The great age of sale. The great age of, ex- of exploration. The great age, age. of body-snatching.
2: It is. It is. This is in the era as well. Victoria <laughs> has not been born, so we're not technically in the Victorian era. So this is actually, I think, the era of no name, I think it's called. Because it's William IV.
1: Yes, what do you, what would you call that? I it's a know. tiny, tiny period. Yeah, and I, think, I
2: read it, someone said it's an era of no name. But yes, the body-snatching. I'm going to call it the body-snatching age. The body because sn- <laughs> they wouldn't bloody stop. The It'll gang's... The gangs used several pubs to meet each other and store their bodies. And this is absolutely true. Arrangements were made with the landlords, coins for exchange, and you have kind of a safe house. The body snatchers would meet and chat and discuss what they were going to do while drinking heavily through it. Drinking is a common theme. Well,
1: yeah, you'd have to, I think. If you're planning on the body snatching and the digging up of dead people, I think a drink or two is probably in order.
2: Yeah, it's probably, it's wise. But you have a kind of a, it's not really a safe house, it's just a place. And the fortune of war was one of the most popular spots for resurrectionists in North London. Uh, being so close to St Bartholomew's Hospital,
1: oh, right, ne-
2: right next to it. So St Barth's, I'll call it from now on. I was born there. Mm. Oh, mm. not in the fortune of war in St Barth's. I was born <laughs> I was, to a family I was, of body snatchers. born of
1: the pub next door. <laughs>
2: <laughs> that would be more fitting, I feel. <laughs> It was said that there was a room in the fortune of war that was provided by the landlord with benches along the walls. This sounds quite surreal, but the body snatchers would put the corpses that they had robbed on these benches. Mm. The names of the body snatchers would be above their heads. So you knew who, who was dealing right, yes, this body. Yeah. The medical students and the teachers from St. Bart's would come in and view the bodies And decide who they which ones they wanted. wanted. No questions asked. Just here's some bodies, we need them. And they would judge on the how fresh they Mm. were. Age, sex.
1: Well I suppose you gotta you gotta view the merchandise somewhere, I suppose, haven't you? So
2: and why not do it with a drink? (laughs) <laughs> perhaps the landlord
1: laid on some lovely snacks. Oh, a, oh,
2: a nice buffet. <laughs> a don't nice, get them. Confused. A nice
1: buffet, absolutely. So, I
2: mean, what, what drink would you have? Or well, what or well, London Dry? Na- naked and famous. <laughs> naked and famous. <laughs> naked Hello. of, uh, uh, lots of is, naked dead people. This is something that is just reported as fact, and it's one where I do go pinch of salt. Really? Oh, I don't know. Well, I mean,
1: it's that, or I mean, how else? As is, you are going to like going to the back door of the hospital with a cart full of. Full of bodies.
2: Yes, that's uh, literally what happened.
1: So no, I'm, I'm liking the in in the back room of a pub. I think that's much more sophisticated. The viewing room. It's the view. Exactly. So there's mm. a viewing room, and as I think, there's going to be some snacks. Um, have a few drinks. They buy more. Exactly.
2: Uh, yeah. So the burkers certainly drank there regularly, and they made business deals aplenty plenty over a few pints and some of that wonderful London gin. Nice. And it does feature elsewhere. I'm not just put that <laughs> in. there. So Bishop and Williams were only too happy to deliver bodies to different schools personally. They would take bodies to the fortune of war, but they would also deliver them to the schools because there's one less person to pay. Really, at the mm, end of the day, sure. you don't need to exchange coins with the
1: yeah the landlord's not taking his cup.
2: Now, how and when the London burkers began murdering, we don't know. Unlike with Burke and Hare, where there's a very clear line that has been established, with them we don't know because John Bishop would later boast that he had lifted at least five hundred corpses in his time, and it may have been as many as a thousand.
1: Mm, pretty good game
2: because he'd been a body snatcher for 12 years by the time he was caught. But we do know about three murders they committed, which came from both of their separate confessions later on.
0: Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If Only in Theatres, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news?
2: So October 1831, the gang chanced upon a rough sleeper named Francis Pigburn. Nice. Yes, great name. In Shoreditch. Now, Shoreditch is not the fancy place then that it is now. She didn't just like have too many avocado toasts and then fall (laughs) over, destitute from the price of all those lattes. No. No. She was a woman who was said to be heavily marked with smallpox and quite the drunkard, seen in the various pubs, drinking herself to death. When they first encountered her... She had a child Ooh. with her. She had a baby. But when they would have their final meeting, no child was there.
1: Mm.
2: What happened to the child? No one knows.
1: Who knows? Nothing good, I would imagine.
2: Nothing good. So they chance upon her one night and she is quite into her cups. But Bishop and Williams offer her a nice warm bed for the night. Maybe mm. a little sniffer, A little sniffer of gin. Maybe a little rum. How yeah.
1: generous they are.
2: Yeah, Bottle of Taboo. It's all good. <laughs> they take her to Nova Scotia Gardens and she's given a drink of rum, laced
1: with laudanum. Oh, that'll do it. So a
2: little bit of poisoniness. A little in her, bit of poisoning going on there. Mm-hmm.
1: Like it, like it, yeah.
2: Now, this is the pattern that they would repeat. Some of which you can go, ooh, cold and methodical. And other bits you go, what? The old <laughs> okay. woman drifted off. And as she fell asleep, the men went, ah, let us make sure she's asleep by going to the pub. <laughs> <laughs> let us go to the London Apprentice pub okay. for a few drinks while we make sure she falls unconscious. Uh, they came back from the pub 20, 25 minutes later. Uh, she's she's passed out. they okay, good. Now she's asleep from the laudanum. Now we can get on to the killing bit. And what they do is they took her outside where there is a well. They tie a cord around her feet and they drop her into the well. Well,
1: that's an interesting method.
2: Going to drown her. What they do is that they leave her in the well. They tie off the rope, so she's in. What, what would be later described as that up to just about up to her feet. They describe that there's a tiny struggle, some bubbles. First. Yeah, head first, yeah, yeah, yeah. head first, head first in there. Tiny bubbles break on the surface. Yeah. But then they stop, no. they tie off the cord, and then they fuck off to the pub again.
1: Well, leave it out of it.
2: They decide that she, they're going to leave her in there because they want the laudanum to basically come out of her mouth. They have some sort of logic of that she will, if she's dead, then she'll, like, just... I don't know if that actually works like that. No, I don't think it does. <laughs> but they just go, we'll leave her there. They just want to go and get They wrecked. just want to go
1: and get the pub. I mean, to honest, I'm going to murder someone, I've just murdered someone... I think a drink is in order either, a, a either side of that, to be honest, yeah.
2: Yeah, they go out for more gym, more rum. They come back. Okay, she's definitely dead. Definitely <laughs> dead. So they pull her out of the well, strip the body, hide the clothes. Body's bagged up, taken off to be sold to one of their private buyers for eight guineas. Later that month, a young homeless man named Cunningham was spotted sleeping rough in the pig market of Smithfield. Pig market. Wonderful, wonderful place. <laughs> again offered a bed for the night a lovely mug of beer actually actually, it's going to be beer sugar rum and laudanum that's a cocktail that's a cocktail absolutely we could have had that we could have had that (laughs) i do not know how old this person was they describe him as a boy the same method is used they lace the drink with laudanum passes out they flick off to the pub come back and down into the well he goes
1: you would think that the doctors and people who are performing these experiments afterwards would know that this person has drowned.
2: That their lungs are full that of water. That their lungs are
1: full of water and stuff. So this is not going to be a natural causes sort of death. They know something unto what has happened here. I
2: will say it, is a, it did cross my mind reading all of the resources that I could and going, did no one point yeah. out the, the <laughs> lungs were full of water, but... The body is sold, another eight guineas in their pocket. Back down the pub. Sold to St. Bart's Hospital on that occasion. And the third case is the one that put them into the stratosphere of fame. Possibly the saddest. It made it the famous case because it is the murder of the so-called Italian boy. Carlo Ferrari had reportedly been seen around London many times. A boy of anywhere between 13 and 15 years old. Fair-haired, olive-skinned teenager. He would stand on the streets of Smithfield with a cage of white mice showing the animals to passers-by and begging for a few coins. Now, this is a bit of a grim racket of the criminal underworld at the time where crime bosses wanted to find immigrant children because Mm. they thought they looked more beautiful. Yeah. They were more exotic. Put them on the street, beg, and they would get them to show animals. So they would give them mice or they would give them Mm. whatever other animals they could get their hands on. Elephants. Elephants there. um, Just a cockroach. That was it. But the most beautiful children because they were olive skinned and tanned and they would say mm. they would make the most money. So yeah. the children would get the money and of course it goes into the crime boss's pockets. This is what starts this furore around this last murder is the idea bishops and Williams have killed this innocent little immigrant mm. child who's begging on the streets. So they say that they had spotted the boy at the bell in Smithfield on the evening of the third of November. They offered him lodgings and perhaps some work. He comes to the house around about 10 thirty PM they call into several pubs on the way. Well, obviously, obviously, some do, and some call-ins. The boy stands outside, not really knowing what to do, and then they come out and go. Do you want some gin, gin? And they remember, oh shit, he's out. They eventually get back to Nova Scotia Gardens. Williams ensures his wife and children are asleep, and they give the boy some bread, some cheese, and a nice cup of rum with laudanum. As soon as he's asleep. The men spring into action. They go, go to the pub go, the pub. go to the pub. Go <laughs> to the pub. Nice Might have... as well
1: spring in that. It is.
2: It's springy. <laughs> springy. They have a nice quarton, it was called, of, of gin after the feathers. The feathers. Nice and then they come home and they go oh yeah he's definitely unconscious and the boy goes the same way goes as the others the well. head mm. first down the well he is stripped of his clothes the clothes are buried and he is bundled into a sack then they went for coffee they do a lot of they a lot of socialising
1: and things going on there big expenses claim I'm this is the,
2: they write this and this is from the horse's mouth this is we did this then we went for coffee then we went for drinks they need drink constantly through this but then coffee to be honest <laughs> then afterwards okay we killed them maybe some coffee will help us focus <laughs> Then more gin It's always a good idea They come back They put him in a large box And on the 5th of November 1831 Bishops and Williams Started a long day Of trying to trade this body They start drinking In the fortune of war Talking to acquaintances <laughs> But they have to go off And sell the corpse Bishops went back and forth To various contacts in London He knew he'd been offered Eight guineas For the body That he told people about By one contact But he was sure He could get ten. Get ten. More. It's a young Beautiful Beautiful child you <laughs> Now his associate, this is where James May comes into it, you've got Bishops and Williams but James May speaks to him and he is just a grave robber, been selling corpses no part in any murders and he assures that oh he's found a better price going okay fine we've got a body, we need to get a cab, we need to get the sack into this cab, no one's asking questions Mm -hmm. every cab driver they find they buy them a drink.
1: Yeah we need to stop at this barb
2: Exactly, they (laughs) ping back and forth from the fortune of war all day making arrangements to move the bodies completely wrecked by the Time they are coming to. Okay, okay, I think we found someone. I think they have PC something. Morris with them. They, they, I, <laughs> I, don't. I think PC Morris is the love child of these people. Quite gruesomely, May, who, as we said, was not involved went to the fortune of war and was at the bar later in the evening of that day and was seen cleaning a set of human teeth jolly and boasting that he expected to get two pounds for them sure enough the next day he goes to a local dentist he sells a set of teeth only Mm -hmm. gets 12 shillings whereas bishops and williams had enlisted the help of Michael shields a porter to help them shift a large object they would use a hamper left at the gates of saint bart's hospital literally this is what happens at the the hospitals of the time they just leave hampers by the gate and go if a body turns up in them then What's the harm? So they just go and get this hamper... Stop the I'll boy see in you. In that, there.
1: You say you say hamper being left at the gates. I'm expecting to open the hamper and there's be some nice cake and some cheese, maybe a <laughs> bottle of wine, some lovely things. But no, it's full of dead people. It's
2: full of dead this people. This is not the
1: hamper I want. It's
2: full of feet. <laughs> oh God, there's no better. I
1: want a nice hamper full of loveliness.
2: Nice nibbliness. <laughs> Bishop and May made for Guy's Hospital, where May had previously had success in selling two bodies, but they were turned away as the school had enough corpses. <laughs> uh, we're full of corpses. Full thank of corpses very much. today. They eventually arrive. At King's College School of Anatomy. Hammered! Absolutely wrecked by now. Introduced to the anatomist Richard Partridge and his staff. Uh Richard Partridge, quite a good anatomist. He did famously fail to spot a bullet in Garibaldi's knee or his ankle later in his life. He was called in Rush. to actually Yeah, this is the thing about this is the guy later on, just massively fucked up Garibaldi's diagnosis. <laughs> Partridge is reluctant to deal with these men. They, mm. they are ke- clearly drunk. This porter says, No, no, they usually give good bodies. Uh, take the thing. The body was always described as a thing in mm. common parlance around there saying, Oh, I've got a thing. I'm going to sell something for a thing. They agree a price of nine guineas at first. May start shouting drunkenly, going, I want ten. Ah, ten guineas. Bishop is just whispering, going, "Just he's drunk. He's drunk. Ignore him." They go off. They bring the corpse back. More drinks via various <laughs> pubs on the way. Right. Shields is also drunk with them as well. The porter hired to carry the hamper, absolutely hammered, staggering with the unbeknownst to him dead body in a hamper <laughs> across London. La 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 to King's College, and they open the hamper and they literally tip out the body mm. onto the floor. They shake it out of the sack and there this body lies. Richard Partridge is immediately disturbed by this delivery. One would hope so. (laughs) Yeah, It's clearly a young boy. There are no obvious signs of clay apart from a couple of very well-placed smears on the body that would indicate that he has been dug up. Mm. So he clearly hasn't been buried. There is a gash across his forehead. His grey eyes are bloodshot all of his teeth are missing and he could see he has been he sustained injuries on the head so whether the child had been hit at any point or he bashed
1: his head as going down the well or exactly. something exactly yeah.
2: and when he asked the men what had caused the boy's death Bishop said I neither know nor care it is quite indifferent what he died of here he is stiff enough so Partridge <laughs> To his credit, goes. I only have a fifty-pound note. I need to go and get change. <laughs> to which May is going. No, I'll take the fifty. I'll, take the I'll, the totally, 50 give I'll totally give you money. I totally give you money later. It's absolute fact." Of course, he goes. He comes back not with a fifty-pound note and change. He comes back with the police. Good for him. Bishop, Williams, May, and Shields are all arrested for murder. A coroner's jury was held on the eighth of November. During the inquest Bishop and May jeered throughout the proceedings (laughs) laughing at the evidence seemingly unconcerned about doing themselves more damage contradicting them, shouting things out not bothered at all Not the smartest chaps are they? The coroner found a verdict of murder as the cause of death In the meantime the police have been searching Nova Scotia Gardens they've searched the property they've found a mass of clothing hidden around the property buried, stuffed down the privy, in the well Everywhere. It's like, just sell Why the bloody do you stuff. Yeah, sell it, burn it, get rid of it. Now, the media obviously embraced the story. Not mm. only have we got body snatchers on our hands, but it's the slaughter of this angelic immigrant child. Mm. This poor child has been put into the system. It's awful. Railing against the monsters who sought to profit from him. The Italian boy murder is what the headlines would read.
0: Oh.
2: But at the trial and in William's subsequent confession, he claims that Carlo Ferrari wasn't from Italy at all. He was a drover from Lincolnshire (laughs) okay so how this was confused I know not yeah it's just what Williams had said and he said no I don't know Carlo Ferrari I've never seen a boy with white mice we just got this guy and we killed him and yes he was a teenager but the media ignore all of this isn't it far better this poor child that so many noble people again in Smithfield as well people attested to seeing Mm. with white mice standing on the street and some people positively identified him And then they retracted it later. They were kind of a bit like, no, this is this poor child on the street. It's a much better story. It's a much better story. So in the conclusion is that Bishop, who was 33 at the time, Williams, who was 26, and May, aged 30, were all found guilty of murder and sentenced to death. Shields was... Uh, exonerated he was just carrying shit yeah absolutely he didn't didn't know what what was going on on. and apparently the windows were opened in the court when the judgment was passed so the public outside could hear the (laughs) sentence of death now may continually protested his innocence saying i i am a grave robber but i am not a murderer he protests and protests and protests he never committed any murders william and bishop later gave a detailed confession about the murders they'd committed and the two other murders that i'd mentioned before the boy and the two others and they spoke about it in detail and they exonerated May. Yeah, they said, yeah. no, it's not. He had nothing to do with the murderers. He just moved stuff around. Yep, he sold yep. the teeth, goddammit. So he was spared the gallows. His his judgment was overturned. He reportedly fainted at the news.
1: Oh, well, yeah. We are quite happy with that one. Yeah. yeah he
2: thought he was going to die. And then <laughs> yeah. he was just like, oh, the joy. Yep. Bishops and Williams went to the gallows on the 5th of December 1831. Mm. Both said, having given their confessions, that they had nothing more to add. And Williams was particularly stricken, saying, I deserve it. Crimes that I have done. I am ready to die. 30,000 people were gathered to watch the hangings. (laughs) People climbing up Lempers. Absolutely. Gathering on rooftops. Yep,
1: hiding in the wells.
2: Bishops died instantly. Williams
1: hanged there
2: for five minutes. Strangled. There was one account that I read about the executioner Williams was famously inept.
1: It's just what you want in an executioner. Well, actually... (laughs) Famously useless.
2: (laughs) All the crowd wanted it. That's what they wanted to show. They didn't want want a quick snap of the neck. Mm. They got it with Williams. And of course... Of course, of course, of course, their bodies were donated what, to scientific research. So. And apparently Bishops was an amazing subject because mm-hmm. he was so muscular and well, so fit and healthy yeah. from dragging bodies lots around. Of, lots of
1: carrying dead people around, so it's going to build up the muscle, isn't it? Yeah.
2: So <laughs> the final legacy of this story is that the ferrari that the case caused, combined with the events of the Burke and Hare case, led to the passing of the Anatomy Act in 1831. Now, it's not what you would think. It wasn't, people, it wasn't an act that said, stop robbing graves. No, and selling not. bodies it's very much illegal this is awful it was more that bodies could be donated to science yes so beforehand just murderers. Now it was bodies you... donated to science, legally obtained for anatomical study. Families could donate them. So it doesn't cut off the resurrectionists immediately.
1: No, but it's going to put a dent in like, supply and demand, really, isn't it? It's it going is. be a lot more supply out there, legitimately obtainable.
2: Yeah, and over the next 10 years or so, the, the body snatching lost yeah. its shine and the offers of money dried up. And in the end, dead bodies ceased to be a very weird source of income. Oh, <laughs> very good. story of the London birth. <laughs> Okay. Nice. There you go. Later called in the press. Yes, inspired, I'm sure not instantly called that. Inspired um, by Burke and Hare, but they said yeah, yeah they, they were. Which one
1: Burke and Hare? Which is the one who was never heard of again?
2: Burke was the one who was hanged.
1: Right, so Hare was the one who escaped and was never known of.
2: Yes. So perhaps
1: so. he went to London and he went started to order all again.
2: Oh my god. And called the
1: gang after his best mate.
2: <gasps> he could have he could have. There you go. They all ah. had aliases. Mm. So they could have moved around as much as they liked. But they didn't use the Birking technique. In a well. In a well. <laughs> I mean, wow, they
1: That's a random method mm. to choose. Tie their feet together, put them down a well. So there's no obvious signs of injury or anything. If you whack someone over the head, there's going to be a big hole. So people are going to go, there's a hole in the head. But I've that's finished. the point, is that you yeah, have so to kill
2: them in a way that doesn't look like I had just not murdered immediately this immediately obvious, person. yeah. It looks like they died of natural causes. And they wanted to get the laudanum out of their system so they... That, that's what they said they did. In Williams and Bishop's confessions, they both said that they had done that. Williams was more detailed, but it was him saying, This is this is what we did, this is how we killed them.
1: You'd have thought lungs full of water would have been more obvious than what? laudanum in the blood or why well, if it's in the drink in the digestive system. Yeah. No?
2: I don't that I don't know. I haven't looked it up about whether if you drowned upside down
1: Well you're still gonna try and breathe, aren't well, you? Yeah, so you're still, you're still gonna, have gonna water say the you're lungs. gonna still take water in into your lungs, whether whatever way up you are.
2: But then they're drunks and they're vagrants rolled into the Thames.
1: Yeah, potentially, yes. I suppose people do, yeah, just stumble and fall and things into a puddle yeah. or into, yeah, into the Thames and things. And they're not using so. that
2: well for water. Well, thank it. God for that. No, yeah. that's just awful. <laughs> the children go out, yeah, the, Daddy, the, let's make tea. The, 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 no! wife, the
1: wife come down, so I need to make the tea. Can I get this body out of here? <laughs>
2: so there you go, a continuation of the yeah. body snatching tales and the famous mm. London burkers. Very good. Yes, and mm. the pubs that they all used to frequent.
1: Many, many, many pubs. I think we should need to do a bit of a Pub visitation of all of those pubs.
2: It's sad that Fortune of Wars isn't there anymore. That is
1: sad. That is sad. Some of
2: the others, uh, I think, are around, but most of them, are, most of them are yeah. gone. Sadly, because this was a slum. Yes, indeed. Now it's very fashionable.
1: Yeah. So. Mm
2: in conclusion couple of things in conclusion yes. so the old friend a good cocktail yes
1: indeed absolutely. that went down beautifully definitely worth a go give it a well the recipe will be out this evening so uh, do try it out and let us know how you get on
2: to end this episode we're giving you something a little bit different a
0: little different
2: a little different so um, as some of you know me I'm in a band called the Demon Gin And we do lots of lovely songs about macabre things and murder and horribleness. And one of the songs that we have done and we recorded was a song about the fortune of war now this was a song originally written and created by another local band called the chimney boys uh who greg island was a member of he's in the demon gin as well and when the demon gin was formed greg said why don't we cover this song uh i can assure you that i'm in the process of setting up a band camp for the demon gin thank you for everyone who's messaged about that so you'll be able to listen to this song online if you want to support the band this song is on soundcloud if you want to listen to it under the demon gin we will fade out our episode this week with a little musical interlude Thanks for listening, guys. We have been the people inside the Poisoner's Cabinet. We will see you next week. And remember, your loved ones are trying to kill you. A all.
0: So Many friends who'll be delighted just to see you, and we don't need to tell you what they'll do. You'll soon be feeling lonely and the lamplight fades to black, and all the prayers in Christendom would never bring you back. So we'll liberate you later with a shovel and a sack. You're gonna feel a resurrection blues. So come along, Elijah, It'll feel like going home when they tear the skin left you there alone, so come home Know that you're the lucky one, the one Scalpel you apart It begins in the fortune of war Bross comes out the thick, thick blood And then comes out the thin They'll rob you of your...